0: Thank you for tuning in. We had a great discussion today with Randy Wilburn, a longtime AEC industry insider and friend. Randy focuses today in his areas of passion, leadership and personal development and communication. We talk about why as leaders we need to focus on the needs of others and why it's so important today to engage and develop the whole person. We talk about the importance of active listening, the presence of introverts, extroverts, and ambiverts, and why engineers and architects can be built for better business development. We also spend time talking about new media, the power of voice, and how internal podcasts can enhance communication and connections both inside and beyond our firm. So without any further delay, let's do it.
1: The host of AEC Leadership Today is Pete Atherton, a professional engineer and former AEC principal and owner turned AEC coach and consultant. And now take a break from your never ending to-do list and welcome Peter Atherton.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to another great episode of AEC Leadership Today. Today, we'll be speaking with Randy Wilburn, a longtime AEC Industry Insider and now Chief Consultant and Encourager at Encourage, Build, Grow. Welcome to the podcast, Randy.
2: Hey, Pete. It's great to be here. Um, always good to hang out with a friend on a podcast and, uh, and talk shop. So what's going on?
0: Well, it's going to be great. We, I mean, I want to talk today about encouragement, communication, and new media But before we start, I know you've been in the AEC industry since the 1990s and you still work with a lot of design professionals. Can you just share a little bit about you, your career and your experiences and what you're doing today?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, So, yeah, I guess the long and short of it was, um, you know, Mark Zweig, uh, who was the founder of Zweig White and Associates at the time, took a chance on me. And hired me back in the uh, in mid-90s uh, to come and join his firm and actually do some recruiting or executive search, as he liked to call it. Uh, some retained recruiting, which I wasn't really familiar with because I had done uh, contingency, contingency recruiting in the financial arena. So, you know, it was a little different, but um, he, showed me, he showed me a couple of really unique things. One is that you could get paid in advance for your recruiting that you could build the client in advance. And there were just a number of aha moments that I had working with Mark Zweig in, in the uh, the mid to late 90s. And um, I, uh, I I came on board at Zweig White & Associates, which is what the name of the company was at the time, and uh, worked my way up to being an owner. And that was really exciting. And then I left, you know, after the company, right before the company got acquired. And that was um, a chance for me to kind of step out on my own. And do my own thing. Uh, I, I ran a real estate brokerage for a while and I never, you know, disconnected from the design industry space. I did some consulting work and Mark and I stayed and remained very close friends. And we, we you know, we've been friends for over twenty three, twenty two, twenty three. 22, 23. I lose track now, but it's been a long time, more than two decades. Long story short is he called me one day and said, Hey, would you, would you want to come back to work? It's like, uh, you know, what do you think about that? And I was like, well, I mean, you live in Arkansas, and I don't, I don't have any interest in coming to Arkansas. But long and short of it was that um, he convinced me, he convinced really my wife, who he's a friend of, um, to come to Arkansas, Fayetteville, of all places, and um, come be a part of what he was doing as he took back Zweig Group, at, which was what the name of the company was at that point in time, and um, built it up, put it back on the Inc. 500, 5,000 list and um, never looked back. And it's been five years later. I recently left Zui Group because I figured that, you know, 12 years of service with one company was enough. And uh, and I'm being funny there. No, it was it was just time for me to move on and, and, and make some changes and do some things differently. So I decided that I really wanted to focus on the area that I have focused on throughout my career at Z Y Group, which was some training. Uh, I still do a little recruiting, but primarily I wanted to focus in the areas of leadership development, communication, and personal development, because those are the three areas that I see design firms struggle the most in. And so that was that's essentially how I got to where I am today. And I, I do a couple of other things. I'm a serial podcaster, uh, as you know, and, and uh, I had you on a former show that I used to run, and I'll, I'll uh, have you on a new show that i'm doing and and so you know my goal has been to try to educate people early and often where um where i can and podcasting has been a nice vehicle to do that so i created the encourage build grow podcast and that podcast again focuses on helping design professionals become better leaders better communicators, and ultimately better people. And um, so that's kind of what I've been doing in a nutshell. And there's so much more to it, but um, people, you know, well, I'm sure they'll learn a little bit more about what uh, what, what I've been working on and doing um, during the course of this actual episode. Right. So, well, I mean, you've
0: you've done a lot of work with firms and leaders and CEOs. So, just getting, I mean, you've just starting off the top, you know, if I'm a leader listening to this podcast and with your experience and working now specifically in some of the fields like in, engagement and personal and professional growth and development, when we've spoken in the past, you've said, you know, listen, CEOs and leaders, you know, should be most concerned, you know, with respect to their employees of making sure that they're engaged in growing both personally and professionally, Exposed to clients from the start and always seeing the results of their work. Could you unpack that a little bit? And, you know, is that just from, you know, working with dozens, if not hundreds of, of uh, managers and employees over the years? But um, could you share a little bit about that concept?
2: Yeah, you know, I think that, well, well, first of all, I think one of the first things that that I talked about specifically uh, when we originally talked about this idea of um, uh, engaging your employees both personally and professionally is that a lot of times leaders look at their people for what they can do for them. And not the other way around. And I think leaders need to think differently about how they engage their people. And I think a leader needs to be thinking about what they can do for the employee. Um, the employee is somebody that you hire, that you bring on board to do a job, but also also as a leader, or if you will, if I, if I could call it a farmer, right, you're there to cultivate the land. And in this case, that land, the land is represented as the people that work for you. And, a good leader is is making sure to cultivate their people in a number of different ways. One, to make sure that they have the most up-to-date resources so they can do their job uh, as quickly and as, as efficiently as possible. And then B, to make sure that they are constantly developing those individuals so that they can grow at, in their career and in the role or position that they were originally hired for. And the one thing that I always say is that a good leader is always working themselves out of a job. And it's not because they're gonna get fired or anything like that, but it's because they are going to develop other leaders that can step into the role that they're currently in and eventually do what they do so that that individual can then go to a higher level and work on something um, maybe at a, a 20 or 25,000 or 30,000 foot level for that organization. And, you know, I don't think a people do that a, a enough. The other piece of it is that leaders need to be able to expose their clients right from the not expose their employees Especially the young, the young ones that they hire to their clients right from the start. You know, back in the day, and you you, you kind of aged me by saying that I was in the I was in the design industry in the nineties. But you know, it was almost heretical um, to to talk about you know taking a young engineer or a young architect out to go visit a client or do a site visit or anything like that. I mean, they were to know their place and to stay back in the office and stay on the design table, if you will. And you know, I'm dating myself when I say table and not computer, but the idea here is that, you know, they were they were to put their time in. And I think that nowadays it's a much it's a much different thought process and focus of how you engage design professionals, especially those coming out of school now, the millennial design professionals, as well as the Gen Z kids that are just starting to graduate from college, their expectations and desire to be as I like to say, and I'm using air quotes here in the mix is off the charts compared to where I was and probably where you were as a design professional. Um, and so I think it's important for us to, uh, be able to give them that exposure early and, um, and, and help them along. Because I think what will happen is if you can expose your young design professionals to the client, to a multitude of projects so that they can see and cut their teeth on them, they're gonna make mistakes. They may even fail in some instances, but the mark of a good leader is to help them through those those situations when they arise. Because anybody that is a leader on that's listening to this podcast knows that they have failed in the past we've all failed in the past. And, you know, I mean, I think the, the important thing is just understanding that, how do we deal with that failure? And, you know, it's it's one of those things where um, you just have to be able to push through and not let it get the best of you. So- And, and do you think, I mean, it's so, I mean, failure in the past, because as far as
0: <clears throat> being able to engage folks and, and really sort of connect with them on that level, but it's also been a change of what as you mentioned what employees want today they want to be in the mix and they want to sort of see the big picture how how the organization works how it functions how it serves clients how it's successful and and earns a profit i mean do you think that's just so much on top top of mind of employees today that you know it's just it's the right thing to do because they want to be there but from from even a leadership perspective the closer you can get your employees to understanding how the business works and how the business is successful, I think is a great short and long-term investment.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And what will happen is cream always rises to the top. If you've got those really good people that whom you expose to opportunities early and often, the ones that are are, are built for the testing ground or the proving ground, if you will, are gonna rise to the top. And that's why I tell design professionals nowadays, don't look at how you were trained or developed, uh, unless you were just trained or developed in the last 10 years, I would say, you know, for most of us, especially those of us that are Gen Gen X, right? Which is, that's my generation. Uh, I believe it's your generation, so 65 to 82. You know, that that generation's a little different than the millennial generation, which is like 82 to 97. And then Gen Z, which is like 97 to 2012. Each generation is different in terms of what their expectations are. So, you know, and then we still have people. We have a bunch of baby boomers. Actually, a majority of firm owners are, are baby boomers. I mean, people that are kind of in their retiring space but they're not quite retired yet because a lot of design firm professionals think they'll never die and or think they'll never retire so they don't put in an ownership or a transition plan so they're they're still hanging on at 70 72 and there's nothing wrong with that don't get me wrong but i mean there's just just no real um Nobody has set up a plan for developing the people below them from a leadership perspective, and so you see that that play out time and time again uh, in design firms around the country, around the world, for that matter. But primarily here in the United States, I think it's an issue that that U.S. Uh, design firms deal with um, specifically from an uh, an ownership transition and strategic planning perspective. So, and I know and I'm it, kind of I've kind of gone off on a tangent, but they are connected. I I
0: mean, I think it's right. I mean, well, there's a tremendous amount of value created and to be shared with folks who are 30, 35, 40 years into their career. But but it's really a mindset to sort of want to leave a legacy and sort of pass down that knowledge. And, you know, one of the, I did want to dive deeper into, you know, personal and professional growth. And sort of, on the watch of the organization, because you know I think you know not being a baby boomer, I assume it was the case, which is the same when I, as an exer joined the industry. You know, there was professional development. There was a lot of expectation. You will learn on the job. You will go down to the library. You will read books. You will figure out. You'll look at, you know, you almost figure out the profession on your own, and you'd have a good mentor. Um, So there was that. And then the personal development was, I mean, that wasn't on the radar of an organization. You just sort of figured that out on your own. And I think there's a shift today that we are formalizing a little bit more of the professional development for folks that there are internal, you know, some organizations have internal training programs you can send out and, you know, sort of, you know, have a catalyst of some external training. But there's this formal professional training and then, but let's talk a little bit about the personal piece. I mean, what is that intersection between personal development and professional development? I mean, do you see the line still you know, strong lines, or do you see the lines blurring a little bit um, in, 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 it's like total development?
2: Well, I hope they start blurring more than they are now. And I think the simple answer to it is that when you hire somebody, you hire a complete individual. You take on all of their idiosyncrasies. You take on their talents as a design professional, but you also take on whatever baggage they bring to the table. Because everybody brings baggage to the table. Every employee does. So you have employees that come and join your firm. And I'll use this as an example. Say you're say, say you have an employee that maybe struggles financially or just never was Nobody ever taught them how to truly balance a checkbook. Basic things like that. And I'm only bringing up the financial issue because it's probably one that if I had to go to any firm of 50 people, I could count out every five or six people, they've got a financial problem. They've got a financial problem. I I could pretty much go through a firm of 50 folks and find 10 people that have some financial issues. That's one fifth of your company, right? So if you are trying to grow this company, And you allow this issue, this one issue, and it could be many others, but this one issue to overcome one fifth of your organization, then you're, you're not running, you're not running as efficiently as you could be. And the point that I use, and I always talk about this when I do a training is that there was a uh, study done by the financial fitness um, education organization that said for every dollar, that a company puts into financial fitness training for their employees, they get a three to one return on investment. So just imagine anybody working at a firm or or people working at a firm of 100 people and everybody uh, in there, because the firm has taken them through financial fitness or some other type of training, everybody in that firm after a period of say two to three years has gotten a, a real handle on their finances and are no longer Bitten by the burden of debt, and so their a, their focus is much higher. Obviously, they can focus on their family a lot more, and they can focus on their job without a lot of the other issues um, surrounding a, 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 a individual that may have some financial challenges. Right. That's and just you, one example,
0: right? And you bring your whole self to work. I mean that that's the concept. I mean, if you right. have something going on at home or outside, I mean, it is you can compartmentalize, you can do it, but it it does weigh. And so, to the extent that um, your whole self is as is, is healthy as possible is, is a good thing. But I mean, just kind of going down that financial road too, that if, if it is sort of an, an, an issue that a lot of people struggle with, and I don't, I don't disagree with that. I mean, from my experience in talking with folks, it is actually, it has a, it's, it's incidentally, it's also a benefit for the organization because if you're talking about, you know, cash flow and management, it's, it's actually going to probably help people understand how the business works and how yeah. and how budgets work and, and why, you know, we have, this is an investment and this is an expense and we have to make, you know, make sure we have prudent investments, but then manage our expenses. I mean, I think that whole terminology helps both personally and professionally. And I, you know, but getting into the professional, the, the personal growth, I mean, there is the phenomena that, you know, someone at 25 is different than they are at 35 is different than 55. And so to the extent that you know, we're going to personally grow and develop as we professionally grow and develop. And you want to sort of adapt. I mean, there is that element of um, personal growth is self-awareness, which leads to emotional intelligence, which makes managers and leaders better. And so, you know, investing in that personal growth is actually making people better, managers and leaders, and then ultimately engage. I mean, any, any thoughts on, have you seen, organizations invest in that personal development as a as a catalyst for, we know emotional intelligence, awareness and emotional intelligence are important and it's going to lead to better managers and leaders.
2: Yes. Um, I've worked with several firms around the country um, and actually every firm that, that I'm thinking of is extreme, has been doing really well, both financially as well as from a um, from a standard of how they treat their employees. And the experience that I've seen working with those companies is simply that they, they look at, again, the whole individual. And they not only train them for the specific roles in their job that they, op, that they do as a design professional, be it architecture, engineering, environmental, environmental consulting or planning, but they also work on the things that they need to uh, improve upon in order to be good at everything. And simple, the simplest uh, thing is communication. How do you improve upon communicating? Um, how do you get people that historically maybe have been introverts? to be more extroverted. Um, You know, the argument is always that engineers and architects tend to be an introverted lot. And I wouldn't throw everybody into that category, but that is a challenge. And part of it is just, you know, understanding, you know, what is introversion and, you know, how can an individual that is still introverted be a good communicator? And I believe the two uh, are not mutually exclusive. I think that, that a, a, um, you know, a design professional can be a really good communicator, but they need the training. They need to understand how, you know, how things work and how you create a message and all messages shouldn't be created equal. I mean, each message is going to be different depending on the audience that you're delivering it to. And these are all factors that, again, design professionals don't normally get on a regular basis. They don't even get it in school. So if, if they're not going to get it at your employment at, in your company, I don't know where they're going to get it. Right. Well, let's, let's break down to and in, in talk about communication because
0: I mean, it does get into, it, it's a, it's a critical aspect of leadership and, and management and, and engagement because engagement is it's an emotional connection to an organization and its leaders and its supervisors. And, and you get that emotional connecting by, you know, caring about the whole person, but then also being able to communicate with them, you know, both back and forth. So, um, So let's break that down. What what are some of the key skills? um, If I'm a leader or a manager, how do I want to be able to sort of enhance my communication and then how might I want to sort of set up a program organizationally so organizationally we have better communication.
2: Yeah well and and, that, and that's a great question and certainly um, I, we don't have enough time in the day to go through that whole thing as far as that's concerned but the big issue is is this I'll, I'll, I'll kind of give it to you this way when I look at communication and the importance of communication, when you look at how a, how a design firm operates, especially from a project management standpoint, the breakdown or lack or the inability to communicate effectively not only impacts the relationship between your firm and your client, it impacts the relationship between that senior PM or PM and the project, um, the people on their team. It also impacts the relationship of people on the team with each other so it, it it you know it keeps going down from there and then if and then if leadership or the c suite or the corner offices don't have a real open line of communication or don't know how to effectively communicate to everybody on the team as a whole, then you run into a problem so I think the the long and short of it with regard to communication is um how how do you a first of all develop a message, and if I'm the leader of a firm. My message to my people is going to be different than the message that I deliver to my client. It's going to be different different than the message that I deliver to the stakeholders uh, in the community that I serve. It's going to be different than the messages that I deliver to politicians that that may be in a marketplace where I am. So it's just this idea that I have to, A, think about the message – Think about who the audience is. You know, Abraham Lincoln always said that he always spent two-thirds of the time considering the audience before he even developed his message. And, And most times, people don't take the time to develop their message so that they can deliver it properly. And then on top of all that, just from a purely practical standpoint, if I'm running a design firm and I'm struggling and I... Always have problems with uh, scope creep and issues of clients not fully understanding the the work that we're going to do, or, or things constantly get out of control when it comes to um, project uh, project needs, and the client constantly coming back to ask for revisions. Well, clearly there is some kind of communication breakdown there, and part of it might be on the the. Project manager or senior project manager who hasn't communicated effectively and efficiently with the client, but then the other part of it is just the fact that they also haven't probably communicated effectively with their team, and all of those are major issues that you deal with, um, you know, in design firms. And I think communication to me is the biggest issue. And then you know, inside of the whole communication piece is just active listening. Are, Are people hearing what people are saying? And a lot of times you don't, you don't, you know, there's always things lost in translation. And it's because people are not practicing good listening habits.
0: Right. And I want to get into listening because that's the other side of communication where I mean, the first piece is obviously being able to communicate something. Yeah. Um, but let's sort of wrap up that piece before we get into communication. And do you think that one of the, the, I mean, there could be a breakdown in that we're not really trained on communication or we haven't really given it the attention it desires as far as, you know, just elevating it in importance and, and, and doing the training of it. But do you think it, it's just we haven't thought of the outcomes that we're really looking for. Maybe because we're busy or consumed, um, and, and and haven't thought it. I mean, you mentioned not thinking of the audience and what their needs are. I mean, it, I mean, let's assume somebody has been trained on it. I mean, is there any key aspects of communicating? I mean, is it just we really have to understand the audience and this is the outcome and this is what the audience needs are? So this is how I frame up the discussion.
2: Um, I think part of it is that I don't want to make it just one specific thing as far as that's concerned is is it's not just your message. I mean, you're, you're, to me, your message is one of the most important aspects. I do think in order to hone your message, you have to actively listen. So that might actually come before the communication piece, right? Because I can't process or respond to anything you ask me until I've listened to what you've had to say. And that's the same way with a client. You know, it's A lot of times we don't manage the client's expectations because we haven't really listened to their heart. We haven't listened to exactly what they want or what they desire or we think we have, but because we've talked over the client, meaning that every time the client has said something, we've acknowledged and moved right into telling them something about what we can do to further enhance their goals. We miss out on opportunities to hear very important pieces of information that will inform our design process and will keep us out of the weeds, will keep us out of scope creep issues because we have really hyper-focused on what the client is asking for and have managed their expectations right from the beginning by virtue of how we communicate with them. And, And that communication piece really is how we listen to that client and understand exactly what's going on. And again, this gets back to what we were talking about earlier. When you take a young person to a client meeting like that, where you can display proper listening habits and the ability to communicate effectively, the ability to give the client the floor, to really hear their heart about what they're trying to accomplish with any project and I don't care what the project is. It doesn't have to be something super sexy like a, you know, a, a really hy- hyper cool structural building. I mean, it could be a wastewater treatment plant and I know you, you know, you, you might be laughing in your head thinking about that, but, and wastewater treatment plants may not be sexy. But I they think serve. they're sexy
0: for yeah. the record.
2: I think they're really
0: <laughs> great or great structures and great
2: functions. <laughs> so. Right. But my point, and, and and I appreciate that. And my point is simply that even in focusing on the needs of a client that's trying to get a wastewater treatment plant done as the 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 person providing the service you need to understand the real heart of that client what is really what is really behind their need or desire to get this? Maybe they already have one in place, but um, it that the wastewater treatment plan is long in the tooth, and they need to build a new one because the community is growing, and because they've run into a number of challenges um, that that more and more people are are now being taken off a septic system in a certain community, and they want to. They want to be able to provide a proper service. So you need to understand the specifics of it. Don't just look at, oh, this is what you need. We can provide it. It's Well, what's what's the crux behind this? What's actually moving this? Because then that will inform you on how you interact with and deal with that client when you know the whys behind the desire for them to do a certain project or work on something and get it done.
0: Right. And that goes all the way back to business development and, and marketing. So by listening, I mean, it's actually going to make people better doer sellers and better marketers in that sense. Right. But what, what do you think from working with folks and, you know, especially technical folks where, I mean, we are trained to be problem solvers and we're going to dive into problem solving right away. I mean, that's just what, what we want to do. That's what we're good at. And you're gonna to listen to level one and then you're gonna start thinking, oh, we've done this in this place and oh I can apply this here. And it's just that's not bad, but it's not quite listening. And so in we have a habit and that's frankly, we're paid to solve problems. So how how can folks slow down and just say, Okay, I need to listen? Is it just repetition or there are there strategies and techniques and specific training we can do to become better listeners? you know, especially if it then makes us better communicators?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there are some there are some significant keys to listening effectively. And there are some listening sins as well. And I, I wish I had time to kind of unpack them all. But the, the long and short of it is that you almost have to think of it this way. If you are going to listen to be a good listener, you almost have to think of it where you keep asking and, Every time somebody says something to you and what else, you're essentially giving them the floor and you keep reminding them that they have the floor when they're talking to you so that you're not, you're, you're never shutting them down. You allow somebody to talk until they've completely did their whole thought process and shared it with you. And it's, it is this, it's, it's yes. And it's just this idea of just the same way with improvisation where it's never a complete idea or thought that you're kind of trying to get more information out of a person so that they can fully share with you what they're hoping to accomplish and or achieve. And that will only be done through active listening where you basically, through the way that you verbally communicate to that individual, they have the floor and that you are going to give them the floor until they have exhausted everything that they wanted to say. Now that might sound like a lot, but it is a good exercise. And so even though you might be thinking, listen, I just want the cliff note version because we can figure this thing out. You're doing yourself a disservice by, by trying to circumvent what should be a very open dialogue that you have with your client. And it's the same way, um, Pete, that you need to operate when dealing with employees. If somebody comes to work and they're having a bad day, don't give them that flippant response. Hey, you know, ho- hope all goes well or, you know, what's wrong? And then, then they tell you something and then right away you're like, oh, well, don't worry about it. I'm sure things will work themselves out. That's a, that's a surefire way to say I, I, you know, I'm only asking you because I'm obliged to, but I don't really care to know the whole story. So instead of kind of being flippant with your response, it's more you should be more like – yeah, so what happened? Well, you know, I had a problem uh, on my way to work today. I got pulled over, and, you know, and so tell me more about this. Let me understand exactly what happened. So, why were you pulled over as it's happened before? And give the individual a chance to share more information with you uh, because then they'll feel like, oh, you know what? That Pete guy, I don't know what it is, but. I really, you know, he was listening to me. I mean, he's my boss, but I mean, I guess he's technically supposed to listen to me, but I really feel like he heard what I had to say. And as, as much as that, you know, as I'm sad about getting that ticket from that cop, you know, I feel better because there's somebody at work that actually cares about what I'm going through and is willing to listen to what I have to say and spent time doing it. Um, That's uh, sometimes missing. And it's not just a design industry problem. I mean, it's just a problem in any vertical people just don't take time to listen to other people and other people's problems. Um, They would rather just keep it short and curt and move on. And I'm saying that, and when those situations present themselves, especially if you're a leader in an organization, you need to be willing to go down that rabbit hole with that individual so that you can display your ability to actively listen and understand. And remember Sometimes they're not looking for you to solve anything. All they're looking for is a sympathetic ear, like a real ear that's going to listen, not hear. Because when we hear, we hear with our head and with our ears. When we listen, we listen with our soul and our heart. It's well, to- I mean, it's a totally that gets, different situation.
0: Right. And, that, and that's the empathy. So leadership, empathy, management, empathy. And it's like when you, it, it just gets into caring. And, and in, in this day and age, unfortunately, caring is a major differentiator. So <laughs> um, I guess, fortunately, it is. So if we just care more, then we get that engagement. But kind of switch, lift the back. I mean, you talking about working with clients, I mean, it gets into what you were talking about, you know, the and, and, and. It it sort of reminds me of the five whys. You know, if you can ask why five times, you really, that's at that point, you get to the root issue, mm-hmm. you know, because you never really talk about it or because you have to think through them. And so, there's this official stuff. But I mean, it gets into the client. So, if we're talking with clients, whether it be business development or we started a new project or we're talking about it, I think everyone wants to be heard and certainly clients we want to hear them out but i think as a leader or a manager then we have if we've really heard them out and we understand and we've got that scope of work that is really aligned with solving their their problem now we can speak with confidence and so i'm a i'm a leader you know, a principal kicking off this project, there's confidence that this is, this is going to solve their issue. This is the, you know, the client, it aligns this way. It allows them to, you know, deal with this community issue or this, you know, what their constituents are looking for. Um, and then that sort of can spur engagement. And then now we listen to the team on how to sort of execute that. But I think that's, um, I mean, that's an important point. It's, it's confidence moving forward with our internal communication.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I think it's just something that, you know, everybody needs to have confidence that they can communicate effectively. I think a lot of times, again, you know, engineers and architects tend to believe the 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 writing on the wall that, you know, most engineers and architects tend to be um, uh, introverts. And that's not necessarily true. And even if they are, it's okay to be quiet. It doesn't mean you can't be an effective listener. And, and or a, an effective communicator um I, I do think that um the that can exist within a uh, a strongly introverted, dyed-in-the-wool engineer or architect that prefers to focus more on the work than on the interactions with the client. They can learn the skills necessary to be an effective communicator and still lay, hold their claim of being an introvert. Right. Uh, or I, I, that,
0: I've, I forgot that I've, I've read the statistics or heard the statistics, but if if you're a leader and manager in the AE space or technical spaces, you're actually not I think that the numbers are the vast majority of folks are ambiverts, mm-hmm. right? Yep. I mean, so they might have started off as an introvert, but if you're going to manage people, I mean, you eventually move. Can you talk a little bit about the introvert, extrovert, yeah. and
2: ambrovert? Sure. And Dan Pink talks about it in his book, To Sell as Human. And um, I think the whole idea of ambiversion is, is a really good, it allows us to, to understand individuals that while they might have some introverted tendencies, can still be um, considered what, what a lot of people would say are, would be an extrovert. Now, I have extroverted tendencies, but I can also be more of an ambivert. I'm definitely not an introvert. Uh, but I have I'm kind of more along the spectrum of amber version to int- extroversion. Um, one of Dan Peake's studies about amber version, which is, you know, it's been written about extensively in the Harvard Business Review and, and several other places. And I certainly encourage your listening audience to to look up amber version. There's a lot of really good information out there about that. And you may see yourself in the definition of amber version, but I think it's it's you know, one of the things that Dan Pink found out in his book to sell as human is that some of the best salespeople were actually ambiverts So they weren't the introverted individuals and they weren't the old gung-ho extroverted people. They were like somewhere in the middle. And honestly, I see a lot of design professionals that are right in that middle space. It's it's one of the reasons why so many design professionals are are really good at business development. You know, we talk a lot about this whole seller-doer model, and that's the ideal prototypical person that you want to hire, someone that can not only go out and get the work, but they can actually do it once they got it. But- the key thing here is those that that have the highest level of success doing that are probably somewhere in the amber version scale of 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 being an ambervert, even maybe beyond amber version into the extraversion space. And that that just further confirms that. And I think it's just important to understand that. So anybody that we want, you know, and, and even if I ran across a really good engineer or architect that just always stuck to themselves. I I believe through proper training, you can give them enough of the skills necessary to be able to go out and represent your organization to have a a very good conversation with a potential client or a community stakeholder and come back with, if, if not a signed contract, at least some real conversations that, that, that are helping to lead your firm in the direction of gaining or, or getting some new work from that partic- particular client or organization. And I think it's important for people to understand that you, you want to try to develop that and give people the language to understand. Because when I, a lot of times when I go around and I talk about amberversion, most engineers and architects have never heard of it before. So they don't even have a language for it. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, Randy, you mean I could be an ambivert? You mean I could have some introverted tendencies, but but still be enough of an extrovert that I can, you know, do my job and be a business developer? Because you know, you know how it is, Pete. I mean, you, you come across people that are like, listen, I don't want to, if I don't ever have to talk to anybody ever again in my life, I'll be good. And then you have those people that that's all they they, they thrive. I mean, that is their oxygen is, is communicating with people.
0: Yeah, but I look at, I mean, we're still human. So even if we're introverted and have a tendency, I mean, maybe we don't talk a lot and we dive deep into our work, but let's face it, what we do in the AEC space is important, serious business. I mean, there's millions of dollars in projects, there's safety, there's environmental, there's welfare, there's important stuff. So the fact that we can focus in an introverted sense and really develop our craft, that that's why people are hiring us. But we're also, you know, in the fact that we learn how to be a better communicator and we can do business development, engage people, that's important. I mean, especially if you're a leader and manager, but let's face it. I mean, we're still humans. We want to be touched by others. We want to be cared for. We we need to connect. We need to be part of our community. And even if somebody was, you know, sort of in the corner doing the calculations, they still want to know someone cares about them and they still want to be able to be communicated to and, and engaged in the conversation. And so I bet I want to switch, you know, sort of as we closely I want to talk about the new media and because you are um, by your own definition a serial podcaster and mm-hmm. you know it is a form of new media and for decades um, since the beginning of time I don't know company newsletters have been the written form of communication that you know used to be handed out in memo form or you know shipped out and now they're emailed and maybe looked at less because they're emailed but sort of the audio version of the of the important company newsletter is in some way I look at a podcast, but it is new media. It's a way to communicate. Could you share a little bit about sort of the, the are firms considering internal podcasts and what might that look like? And what do you think the benefits would be?
2: Yes. I, I, I mean, it's it's a yes to everything that you just said. I think the, the 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 long and short of it is that people are reading a lot less, a lot less. And I think that you need to, be where people's attention is. And in this case, I think voice is huge. Um, Amazon, Alexa's, Echo's, the Dot, all of those items, the Google Home speaker, more smart speakers are, are entering homes than ever before. And so there are opportunities for you to develop and, and in a to develop a podcast or even some type of informational portal that is voice related that allows you to share information about your firm and you'd be surprised that you'll probably get a higher level of consumption than you would through the traditional avenues of creating a blog post or doing something like that. You remember back in the day, blogs used to be all the rage right? I mean, it was, it was it. Everybody had a blog. What do, you know, It was kind of the in vogue thing to do. Oh, I've got a blog. You should read it. Great. Now, but then it was, okay, everybody's got a YouTube channel. Great. And, and all of those are, are good mediums for sharing information. And I don't think that they'll ever go away 100%. The question you have to ask yourself is, how important are my messages that I'm trying to get out? And do I want everybody to hear them? And in a lot of instances, I can't guarantee that they're going to do that through a blog post because everybody doesn't read all the time. I uh, also can't guarantee that it's going to do it through video because, you know, watching video takes time. And even now, 75% plus of all videos consumed on Facebook are consumed in silence meaning that they're reading captions at the bottom of of the video which shows you that a lot of people are reading videos at work so unless you create a video that's like that then you know you're going to miss out on on folks and a lot of people are finally i think podcasting and i was like anecdotally i was just talking to somebody last night at at a meeting that i was at and they were telling me how when they're not doing work that is like ultra critical they pop on the podcast in a heartbeat and start listening to it. And then she just started rambling off all the different shows she listens to. Now, there are ways nowadays for firms. So if you're a firm of 1,200 people or 500 people or 200 people or even 50 people, as a, as, a, as a leader in that firm or as the owner of that firm, there one thing that you need to make sure that you're always doing, which is exporting the brand, to everyone and making sure that everybody understands and sees things from your perspective. And so I encourage firm owners to to create an internal podcast, which is not unlike the uh, internal uh, intranet that firms have. And some firms still do have those. But again, I'm getting back to the point, how much do people read? And but people listen to things all the time. And if you can create something via voice that kind of gives people a breakdown of where things are, where the company is, you know, Hey, here's a bird's eye view from what's happening in in the, um, you know, in leadership at XYZ Design Firm. Here is, you know, an update. We're talking to Sean today. Sean is a five-year designer in our Cincinnati office. And here's what Sean is sharing about, you know, what he has learned during his time here. And again, a lot of the information that you could share internally that could help benefit other people on the team, a lot of it it can be really great material for recruitment and retention as well. And I, I work with firms and I have worked with firms that have created podcasts that they use both on an internal basis as well as external. And some people are saying, well, that's all great, Randy, but, you know, I may not want to share all this information with the world. There are ways to create private podcasts as well. So, you know, there there are a lot of op- opportunities to share information Um externally as well as internally to get the word out to people and let them know what's going on well and i mean it's
0: it's a it's a differentiator today so yes. when we want to you know marketing and branding you know if if you're communicating about these issues well you must communicate about other important issues too like communication must be an important component making sure everyone's informed must be important and so i mean i just i see that as <clears throat> in one sense within your organization, it's an intimate connection. It, it's it's a leader talking and sharing. It's their own voice. It's not just a one-minute edited video, right. you know, or it's not the boiled down, you know, um, I guess pod, blog that, it, you know, just it, it talks about an issue, but it makes us all feel good at the end. And it's just got that, hey, everything is right in the world type of... Whereas if you could have a discussion with folks, I mean, a podcast just lends itself to a little bit more of the nooks and crannies and the authenticity. And I think it's a connection. I mean, people crave that today. I mean, I really, having a dialogue, I think is important because we've sanitized out real, you know, issues and struggles. We know that there's internal folks. I mean, we know that they're there, but let's talk about them. And you can't have one-on-one conversations with everybody. I mean, in some organizations you could, and and that's the communication and listening piece we talked about. But if you can't, this is one way for a leader to really connect on, on a lot of levels.
2: Yeah. I mean, you can't even do management by walking around anymore because you have so many people that are remote working, um, always in the field. They're never, they're never at their desk. So that's even hard to do. And that's why I say with the top of mind consciousness of a podcast, you can be in your client, in your clients here, you can be in your employees here on a regular basis and impact them. And the key thing here is that what you want to do is not, you don't, know, you wouldn't do a podcast or anything like that just to share a bunch of data. It's more to tell stories and to connect because you'll connect through stories faster than you will anything else. And I, and I think that's important. What,
0: what are some ways um, sort of in, in wrapping up, it it gets, you know, the heart of communication, this next level of communication, considering a podcast, what, what might be the first few steps, say a leadership or internal HR, internal marketing and branding team, if they got together to say we should communicate, what, what are some of the first things they should think about?
2: Um, I think they should think about the message that they want to convey to their people and what do they feel is lost in translation now? What, what what messages are we trying to deliver, but we are not able to deliver them or we don't deliver them effectively or the feedback has been crickets. So I think the important thing here is to understand that first. Secondly, then you say, okay, well, maybe take a poll, find out what, you know, what do people do? If you have a, a group of 50 people There's going to be some podcast listeners in there. There's going to be some people that have Amazon or Google Home, uh, Amazon Alexa or Google Home at their uh, house. And so they listen to voice. There are a number of different ways to create a a simple skill that you can use on what what we're calling smart speakers now for your company. And people that have the information can subscribe to it. And whenever they want to find out, hey, tell me what's happening at XYZ design firm today, that information will come up and again you know that that's at a high level so i think there's there's just some simple ways that they can they can do that but the first thing is to check the temperature of the information that's not being delivered that you know needs to be delivered and once you've determined that then it's the next thing is looking at options that might be available to deliver that information through voice once you've kind of polled your people to understand what's important to them and the timeliness of this information, because that's going to, that's going to dictate how you do a lot of what you do. The technology is totally there. I can walk you through creating a private um, podcasting feed in an instant. It's not that difficult. It's, you have to have the desire to want to do this. And then you have to have the wherewithal to, to put together some basic foundational tools so that you can get this thing developed and put out. But I would say a, a design firm doesn't need to do a podcast every week but you know maybe they do something twice a month or once a month you know it's something in depth where you know you go through and you interview the leadership of the firm until you've gone through and reached out to each one of them and they all have their own episode on the show so people can get to know them a little bit better and you start from there and you and, and in, interspersed with that you do like one of the firms that I've worked with has done where they New people that have been recently hired for certain positions, they bring them on and talk to them about their role and their experience because they use that as a marketing tool for recruitment. So you can make it super private or you can open it up and let the world take a glimpse inside of your organization and see what you're doing. And then you can use it as a recruitment and retention tool. Right. And, and you can do huge. video with it.
0: I mean, you can, you can record Absolutely, the podcast. Yeah. So you, you have multiple ways to sort of use that the content.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and as a matter of fact, anything you do in video can be stripped to audio and put on a podcast. Right. So and that's that, the beauty of it.
0: And this is, I mean, as we close, I mean, we, we've had conversations about, you know, it's like we're in the AEC space. I mean, it's, it, we're, we're very, it, it, it's, well, society in general, but certainly in our industry, but I mean, it's been very linear. I mean, it, but, mm-hmm. but we do live in a non-linear, I think like you word, non-linear world today. And as leaders, I mean, we really have to respond. I mean, there's a life outside. We can't necessarily stay linear. I mean, and podcasting is one way. Can you just share a little bit more of like the concept that we talked about that of opportunities, you know, where we just have to be responsive because the world has changed.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think you have to look at it. Some people look at me like I have three heads when I mention a podcast, you know, and that's just because they don't know about it. And I'm like, well, go home and ask your kids, talk to your kids and find out how they're consuming information. But for anybody listening to this that has children, just look at how they consume information. I have three Gen Z boys in my house. They never watch TV they only watch YouTube. They only do certain things. They interact with people online. They are all about instant gratification. They, they, they want to be part of whatever is happening. If you are running a firm or working at a firm where you're in the leadership and you're not trying to meet the needs of those young people that are about to come into your firm, and work, the Gen Z folks that are, that are just started graduating from school last year, you're gonna miss out on opportunities. You've got to be willing to try different things, even if you don't understand it. That's what, that's what, you know, professional consultants are for. That's what, I mean, you know, listen, I I could be running a wastewater organization. I don't know the first thing about wastewater, but I might be running it, but I know that you know all about it because that's your background. So I'm gonna hire you and have you come in and help me understand what I need to understand same thing with podcasting. People don't, a lot of people, a lot of your listeners don't understand it at all. Maybe they know somebody that does it. Maybe they have kids that listen to podcasts um, or, or maybe they listen to them just sparingly, but it's just this idea that you can, you can leverage this information and figure out a way to share whatever you need to share with whatever audience you're trying to reach, whether it's an internal audience or or whether it's a combination of both your internal audience, which is your company, as well as an external audience, which are clients and stakeholders in the community that communities or a community or communities that you serve. Right. So it's available to you. And I don't even
0: think, it's not just the young folks. I mean, there's so many people, Xers and Boomers I know who are really into podcasts. I mean, I oh, totally. personally love podcasts and it's how we consume a lot of information. And I think it does have that depth of conversation. You can get into the issues. It's not just of sugarcoating over things. No. And so to me, I think a lot of people consume that. And, and it's very effective. And so, I mean, that's why I wanted to share some of these conversations I've been having with just great folks over the last couple of years that I share the, well, I talked to so-and-so and and we talked about this. Oh, that would, that sounds like a great conversation because I think people want to hear that. So um, if that's what the people want, and if you as a leader, you as a leadership team, you're listening to yourself, why wouldn't you bring that and make that accessible to your people? And so it's just sort of responding to what's out there. So, I mean, we, like a lot of our conversations, we can just keep talking, which is great. But in order to sort of, you know, close, is is there anything else you think um, we should share with leaders today with respect to engagement, communication, and new media?
2: Yeah, you know, I just think that um, I believe that, first of all, new leaders should be encouraged that this next wave of kids coming out of school, uh, they're going to be, they're going to surprise you. Um, I, yes, um, they're going to surprise you and they're going to, they're going to um, engage you at a level that I don't think you've ever been engaged at before in terms of how you interact with this new workforce. You're going to have to be much more creative um, at, at how you, you offer them opportunities. The, the w- work-life balance, we talk about that a lot. It's going to be totally different with Gen Z than it's ever been with anybody else. People complain about millennials, just wait till Gen Z starts coming through your door. Um, you need to think about, just because you were trained a certain way, or you've been in the industry 25 years and everybody should just kind of buck up and you know, deal with it the way that you dealt with it. Those, kind, you know, those days are long gone. No longer can you bring a, a young person into your firm and tell them, hey, in 10 or 15 years, you can be like that guy over there. They don't, they're not even thinking 10 or 15 years that in, in advance. You know, Pete and I, we, we thought that way, but but some of these young kids that are coming out of school, they think totally differently. And I, I just would encourage you to just be consider your audience. You know, it gets back to that communication piece. Consider your audience and the message that you want to convey to them. Um, if you want to be that firm that just says, "Look, you got to put your time in because that's what it's going to take for you to get good and for you to make it here," that's fine. But I'm going to tell you that a lot of firms are getting it. And the more that they get it, and the more that they communicate with their people early and often about what they can do, and engaging them and getting them involved right off the back, you, you as an organization are going to um, be at the, um, you know, be on the short end of the stick when it comes to attracting and retaining those that type of talent that you need to be successful and grow in the future. So, well, excellent. Well, thank yeah. you. How how can folks get in touch with you? easy. Randy at encouragebuildgrow.com. So my goal again is to encourage, to build people up and to help them grow. But that's the easiest way to check check me out. I also have a podcast, Encourage Build Grow, at, which is available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere that you want to listen to it. And um, I have a website, encouragebuildgrow.com. So that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing today. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Pete. You really stretched me and I appreciate all the great questions that you asked. And as always, I enjoy hanging out with you. And I certainly hope that um, as you continue to grow this podcast and your audience, that um, you're you able to, to make a difference in the, um, in the businesses and, and in the lives of the professionals that, uh, that, that consume what you have to share. So thank you.
0: All right. Great. Well, take care. Talk to you soon. Talk to you. Well, that's a wrap. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to and rate this podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to the show from. There are links on my website and in the show notes to do so, and please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. It really helps to get us established, and I truly appreciate that. It also helps get the word out so that together we can collectively grow and positively impact the lives of others, both inside and beyond our organizations. So thank you.
1: for joining us on today's episode of AEC Leadership Today. If you want to stay relevant and effective and take your growth and prosperity to new levels, it's time to take action. To learn more about how Pete can help take you and your firm to the next level, visit www.actionsprove.com. That's www.actionsprove.com. See you next time on the AEC Leadership Today podcast.